everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you're here. Listen now to our surf pastor, Dr. Elliot Higgins. My name is Elliot Higgins, and I'm a surf pastor here at Southcliff. Our senior pastor, Dr. Carol Moore, is on vacation today. He is in uh, Louisiana, my understanding. So be praying that he has safe travel and has a good time and survives the bumpy roads over there. But we'll be glad to have him back in Texas when that time comes. But I'm with you uh, today. We're continuing literally the very next part in our study of Romans that we began some time back. There's an interesting thing about this particular passage in Romans that is intriguing to me, and I had to laugh when this was the one that that schedule would have it. I'm the one that's going to pick this up and carry this part. But it reminded me of a historical artifact that we have in our country. And actually, in 1751, at a place called Whitechapel Bell Foundry in London, England, workers began to make or fill an order from the colonies, from Pennsylvania. They placed an order for a bell. And the workers there, they had lots of experience in making quality bells, and they they cast this bell. It was a lot of copper and tin and lead and zinc, and they also had silver and even gold all mixed in to give it the right combination to where it was flexible enough for the ringing, but also strong enough to hold together. So it sailed across the Atlantic, and it ended up in Pennsylvania, where they had ordered it. And when they set this thing up to ring it the first time, it cracked. So it was recast here in the colonies, true American form, and and made it stronger, less brittle. And on that bell, there's this famous line from Leviticus, but it talks about liberty and declaring liberty to the ends of the earth, to all nations. And so this bell, when it, it cracked upon its first arrival here in America, but it supposedly was ringing true and ringing out for a about a hundred years. Now, what makes this bell special is it was hung up in what has become known as Independence Hall. So on July 4th, 1776, the pesky colonials, they wrote this declaration of independence from the king. And from this, on the 8th of July, they rang every bell, including this one. They rang all the bells to call the people together for the public reading of this declaration of independence. This statement of independence and liberty for all people, great and small. So this bell was present at the time of the reading of independence. It went on to ring at the the funeral of our first chief justice where it cracked again and it was recast after that and the governor of Pennsylvania wanted to celebrate at a special service the history of America on George Washington's birthday where it cracked yet again. After that time, it went on tour throughout all of the land of America and it got its name, the Liberty Bell, actually in 1830s when the abolitionist movement or African-American brothers and sisters were looking at this bell and saying it declares liberty for all people and they put their hope and trust in that truth as they were reaching for their liberty and independence as well. It went on tour weighing over a thousand pounds and people would chisel away a little bit of this bell everywhere that it went. So today it's about 
about 100 pounds lighter from all the little nicks of people taking a token of this liberty, this symbol of freedom and liberty. I share this story with you because it is fascinating to me that one of the symbols of America, which is possibly one of the freest nations on earth with the most liberties that we enjoy, one of the the images of liberty and freedom is cracked and broken. It cannot ring. As a matter of fact, of all the human beings alive today, there is not one single human being alive that has ever heard this thing ring. It is mute and it is broken, but it represents liberty. What greater picture that we have today as we approach Romans chapter 13, that even the hope that we have in freedom, in liberty, in independence in our nation, even the best that we can do, the image of what we have is cracked and silent. When we look at our government or any government in the world, we see cracks and we see those that perhaps could stand for liberty and justice greater than what they do. All over the world, doesn't matter if you're an American or Chinese or Korean or South African or French, it matters not the form of government you come from, but what is true is that every form of government has its problems. Now, what's interesting in our time together today is that the passage that we come to speaks specifically about the government. It speaks specifically about what God is doing through any and every form of government worldwide. Even the freest and the best of government platforms is cracked in one way or the other. There is corruption, there is mistakes, there is times where standing for justice and liberty is strangely quiet and there is times where it's not. And we look at the world around us and sometimes there is anxiety and fear and wonder what's going to happen as we look at the world and say, I don't see God. Well, God brought us together, the very next part of the book of Romans, we're going to look at what God is doing in the government and how we work with that. And so like this golden thread that's woven through a tapestry, we see the handiwork of God woven through even the broken nature of any government on earth. And today I believe that there's one of two things that's going to happen from our time in his work. The first being, there may be people here today that are anxious about the condition of our country or your home country, the condition of the world, and God's going to remind you that what he is building and what he is doing throughout all of human history, there is no government, no person alive that's going to dethrone the king of kings. There's nothing that's going to change what he's doing, and he's going to remind you of that, that you can take that deep breath and relax no matter what's going on around you, he's still on his throne. There are others here that we look around the world and we are fearful and we wonder how is it that this is going to work out. And God brought you here today to remind you that he, and trusting in him, is true liberty. It is the true independence and true liberty that no matter what takes place, the sound of liberty doesn't go out with our liberty bell. Rather, it rings out all the way into eternity because it comes from the Lord. And we're going to hear the sound of liberty ring out from these pages, but they don't stand behind a glass wall for us to look at. They ring true into eternity. The passage before us is Romans chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. 
Here's what I'm going to promise you today. I'm going to stay very tight with the word of God. There is no political agenda coming from this pulpit. I'm going to read exactly what God has written here. And we're going to see exactly what God is commanding us to do and what God is doing through the government, no matter where you come from. So in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, listen carefully for the sound of the liberty that comes from God because we hear what he's doing. Here's the first part. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. I'm going to pause there. I'm glad you were seated when I read that. So every person, did you catch that? Every man, woman, child, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, Paul, when he is writing this, putting this down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has no idea what America is, has no idea democracy or how that even works. He is writing from a perspective of a corrupt government, the empire of Rome. If you recall, the Roman government, when Jesus was on trial, knew he was innocent. But for the sake of political agenda, they executed Jesus because of their political agenda. Paul has been arrested multiple times and in one of those instances, he is in prison and they are willing to release him if he pays them a bribe, pays them a fee. He will be released to let him go. And he sat in prison for years because he didn't pay to get out. He stayed. There is a corruption all around Paul when he's writing this. So this text is not void of understanding the corruption of governments and the problems that they have because they're run by people. Anytime people are involved with something, it's going to be messed up. But we can rest ensured and know this liberty that God is working through any and every broken system. He's good at that. So it says, every person be subject to the governing authorities, that word. Not only is that word plural, but it is also in that context referencing the top and the bottom. So from the top to the very bottom, so emperor or president or king or queen, whoever's on the top, all the way to the bottom, all the authorities, whoever the bottommost governing official may be, we subject ourselves, we are subject to their authority. So no matter where they are, what level, we as believers are to subject ourselves to the governing authorities. Big or small, it matters not. That's what God is declaring from his word. And it says, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So here's the key. This is a hard one to swallow. Every government on earth, God has ordained. He has put them in that place. Now, he is not corrupting them. He is not honoring that corruption. He's not creating sin. But God has put people in their place no matter where they are. He knows who they are, how long they're going to reign, how they're going to reign. And through this whole process, God is accomplishing his kingdom work. We step back and say, now how in the world does that work? Because this government or that one is absolutely broken. How is God moving through that? So it's saying that everyone, doesn't matter who they are or what form that they take, it's from God. 
He has created it for a purpose, which we're going to get to. But the second thing is instituted by God. So this leads us to our first critical point, the foundation of everything that he's building on here. Paul is saying that God created authority. Of the highest to the lowest, God created authority, period. So when we begin to view the government with an understanding that God is the one who created this authority, it allows us to take a step back from the anxiety and the fear of what's coming next and how things are going to happen. We recognize that God is behind whatever is going on. There is no form of government that knocks him off his throne or diverts his plan. Here's a couple of examples that we see in scripture. If we roll back time and we look at King Nebuchadnezzar, the famous king from Babylon, God used Babylon according to every prophet that was alive at the time, that he was bringing judgment against the leaders of Israel because they were corrupt, they were not honoring God's word, and they were allowing lawlessness to be pervasive through the land. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire to destroy Jerusalem and take captives out and into Babylon where they lived in captivity for 70 years. Now, not only did prophecy say that was going to happen, but God himself is saying, I created that. Nebuchadnezzar, however evil and wicked he is, is following my plan. He is using him. The government is a tool in the hand of God. No matter who they are, he is working through that. We see also, if you fast forward, he destroyed Babylon. And he raised up another leader who sent Israel back to the promised land. God uses the government to accomplish his purpose when the time is right. If you look at the, the time that Jesus was born, if you recall, there was a particular Caesar who wanted to know the census, who and how many people are in my great empire. This moment of arrogance and pride brought about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. They did not live there. You're familiar with the story that this this census was to be taken and Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem in order for this census to be taken. And she is eight or nine months pregnant and gives birth. Who wants to ride on a donkey or walk this journey? Nobody. But through this government, God is fulfilling prophecy. Scripture declared that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And he's using a government to accomplish this process. If you recall, then they went down to Egypt. Out of Egypt, I called my son. There's another prophecy that he used. When they came back, they realized that one of Herod's family members is still ruling. So they went to Nazareth and they lived in Nazareth. Another prophecy where the Bible says that Jesus, that this Messiah will be called a Nazarene from Nazareth. All of this stuff that had been prophesied hundreds of years in advance, this corrupt government through their own crazy broken system is accomplishing God's purpose. And the people of the time may not have ever seen any bit of that going on. But God is declaring to you and I that God created authority, however broken it is like that Liberty Bell and however mute and silent it may have become. The reality is God has created authority and he has instituted it to accomplish his purposes. And he's going to tell us what that is in a minute. God created authority. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists 
the authorities, resist what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. It leads us to our second point. If we know that God created authority, the second thing that we see is that resisting authority is defying God. We are standing opposed to God. It doesn't matter who's in office that we're opposing. We are ultimately, because God created this, we are opposing God. And so he's saying whoever's resisting this authority resists what God has appointed. So God has created this government for a time and for a purpose. And it says that it's been appointed. So we looked over our shoulder at the history of how God's been working through some of the governments that we see in Scripture. But I want you to fast forward and look in the future. If you read in the book of Daniel or you read in the book of Revelation, any of these prophecies looking forward, there's a government that's going to step out on the pages of history that we call this leader the Antichrist. That's what scripture is talking about. In this Antichrist, he has a certain period of time that he rules, and scripture even tells us that he is the most evil leader the world has ever seen and is opposed to God in every possible way. Now, here's the truth that we see. Though this government is absolutely opposed to God and the people of God, here's the key. God has ordained, he has appointed the season in which this person rules because God is going to get the glory from it and through it. He's not creating sin in disarray, but God has even appointed the most evil of people. He's appointed the boundaries of their rule for his kingdom purpose and his objectives. What God is building, there isn't even the most wicked of people cannot change what God is doing. They can't knock the king of kings off of his throne and they can't add one single day to their rule. That all of this has been appointed and whoever resists will incur judgment. The word judgment Obviously, if you stand opposed to a government, there may be a judgment, but this, the key word here is specifically a divine judgment. That every time this word is used in the letter of Romans by Paul, this is always referencing a divine judgment just like it is here. If you resist the government, you are, going, you are opening yourself up to the judgment of God. You are standing opposed to him. So there's that warning. God created authority and he is resisting authority is defying God. Now, I want to make this little caveat. This, this text is not all-inclusive of all things government, but it is very descriptive. There are instances, because a lot of our people are logging in from all over the world, there are, in fact, instances that we do and are commanded to disobey and defy the government. There are instances in Scripture where we see that happen. There's really two that we see. Number one is when the government demands that you sin against God, that you violate what God has told you to do in Scripture. The second one is if they demand that you worship or lack thereof God. If those two things happen, then we have the obligation to resist that because God is the king of kings. Now, let me explain how that looks, and we'll see that play out in Scripture here. But if you look at cases like that of, of David and Saul, Saul had a long spear that he tried to kill King David. He tried to run this spear through him and pin him to the wall. He was trying to kill him. And what David did, he would flee, but David never raised his hand against the king, though he knew he was evil. 
David said, this man is God's anointed. I will not execute him or lift my hand against him in a way that, that negates God's calling on this person's life. Though he defies the government to some level, he does it with a respect. We see Daniel. We see that they said, you cannot pray to God anymore. You can't worship your Lord. And he did it anyway. And when he answered, this is the key, when he answered the king as a result of the decree, he says, O king, may you live forever. He is telling him with respect and with honor, he's saying, I want your throne to succeed. I want the best for you and your kingdom, and I am submissive to you in all things, but I cannot worship anything but God. Simple. But yet he does it with respect and honor. You see his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, this crazy king that we just talked about. He told them, you're going to worship this golden statue. And if you watch their response, they say, oh king, may you live forever. May you have a long life. May your rule be blessed. May you have success in all that you do. But we cannot worship anything but God. And we see how they handle that with respect and honor. But they did that. They were faithful to the Lord. So scripture is saying that we handle this by submitting to all the authorities from the top to the bottom because God created the authority. We do not resist them because we are ultimately resisting God, his plan and purpose. And he begins to tell us why in verse 3. Now I have a three and a half year old son. And we're at that age where that word why, that three letters, is probably the most used word in the Higgins home. And I mean, it can probably be used 4,000 times in a day. We're putting on socks. We need to get our socks on so we can get our shoes and get out the door. Dad, why, why do we need socks? Well, we need socks so we can put our shoes. It doesn't rub your feet. Well, why do socks stick so tight to your feet? Well, it's got elastic and it's... Well, well, why do they need to stick to your feet? Well, they'll fall off if they don't. Well, then why do we care if they fall off? Well, you'll trip. Well, why do we trip? Good grief. Let's get the socks on. Let's put the shoes on and get out the door. The why. And so Jesus is saying through this, God is saying, he's declaring that not only have I created the government, I've appointed their time and their season in resisting them, you have to recognize that I'm behind it. But here's why we do this. Here's the why. Because we all ask that. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you, would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Now, as I've mentioned, this is not an exhaustive text, but this is a descriptive one. We recognize there's corruption in governments, and there is some that handle their authority better than others. But watch what God is saying, what he's doing through government. And this can be through a monarchy, a democracy, a republic. I happen to prefer certain ones over those. But it doesn't matter which one you're coming from. He's saying that this government is functioning to, to lift up good conduct, but he's calling the government officials, watch, verse 4, he is God's servant for your good. This is the whole reason why he's telling us, I want you to submit. I'm behind it. I'm working through it. Do not resist me because this person, man or woman, is my servant. That word can also mean minister. Have you ever thought of your politicians as ministers of God? That's a hard one for me to swallow, but that is ultimately what God is saying, that they are utilizing this office to accomplish the things that God has decreed, and, and it's for our benefit. Now, that's another one of those things as an American context. We say, okay, the government has my best interest. 
I'll believe that when I see it, but let's keep reading because they do. God is showing something very specific that he uses them for. Remember, the government and the officials are a tool or an instrument that God is using in his hand to do what? He says, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he, carry, for he is the servant of God, the avenger of who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So we're seeing that God created authority, defying authority is defying God, but third, the governing officials are ministers of God doing what? This bearing the sword, carrying out God's wrath on the evildoer. You see, every society requires a government to maintain social order. There is no government, however crazy they may be, that can survive or a people group that can survive when murderers walk the street, when people are dishonest and there's lying and cheating and stealing in mass. Every society will collapse. And so the government's role is to keep evil at bay, is to punish those who are operating outside the bounds of good and they're doing bad. And it says that God has put this bearing the sword in their hand that they punish evil, they hold it at bay, and they are subjecting people to laws and making sure that they're carried out because they are his servant. So the role of the government that we see here is ultimately that God is using the government to hold evil at bay. That is their role. And this is where when we go back in scripture, God is telling us, do not judge, don't go out and and put yourself on somebody and say, I'm going to exact revenge. Scripture has never been about revenge. It's never been about you taking justice in your own hands. But Scripture is always putting that in the government's hands as a third party that has laws that looks at the case and decides the punishment needed. Not you and not me. It's the government's job for this. When you look back at the Old Testament, the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, people will step back and say, that's sounds very judgmental. But what that's actually saying is whatever the crime, the punishment needs to be level with it. In other words, if you steal a quarter, that does not match a life sentence in prison. That there needs to be an objective nature of how we're dealing with the different levels of of evil. And so he's saying that God created authority, resisting authorities, defying, defying God, and these people are God's ministers designed to hold evil at bay. He's carrying out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Verse 5, therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. It's not just that we're obeying because God commanded it, but we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. The people of God should be the loudest voices of anyone who is upholding law and order and who is upholding good. We should be the ones that are the best at that. And so he's saying for the sake of conscience also. So verse six, he's saying now how is it that we as believers do that? How do we uphold this, this government? How do we uphold good? Verse six, for because of this, and I'm glad you're sitting down, you also pay taxes. Welcome to Southcliff. Glad you're here today. 
because you also, you pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Your taxes in the things that we are paying into the government systems, God is using to provide for his ministers to keep evil at bay. They're attending this very thing in verse 7, pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. In everything that we do, we submit to the authority of the government. In the final two words, this respect and honor may be the biggest challenge for many of us. When we look at the corruption like that of a liberty bell, this this image of liberty and freedom and it's cracked and silent and we look at the image of liberty that's proclaimed through the world and we look at the American government and say I can tell you we have cracks everywhere and it so makes me so fearful and anxious in what's coming next and God is saying regardless of that I'm working through it but we still show respect and honor because these people are God's ministers. Now, those are some of the toughest words that we see, but the way that we do that, we show respect and honor, is by submitting to them and honoring their position. Regardless of how cracked the government may be, we show respect and honor. The key here, and the reason why we do this, and this is that refocusing that God is doing, that golden thread through a tapestry, as we see God weaving through all of this chaos throughout all the world, the ultimate thing is God is in control. And the reason what helps us submit and subject to the government is we know that God's in control. He has appointed this time, this season, and God can send revival to a land in just overnight. And he has lifted up leaders and he has destroyed countries. He is in the people business moving with eternity in focus. And he's inviting you and I to take a deep breath today and say, even though the government is cracked like that Liberty Bell, and we look at that and say, I'm not sure where we're going in the future. There is nothing that God is building that any human being or anyone in power can tear down. There is nothing that the King of Kings is accomplishing through the humanity and the brokenness thereof that any leader can remove, destroy, or tear down. God is at work behind every government. He's given them a time and a season, and he has a way of working through and redeeming people through it. So God is calling us to relax a little bit when we're looking at politics. I thought it was interesting when this was the next one. I am an American, which gives me a very unique flavor when I'm looking at at government. But I'm also a Texan, which gives a whole other flavor. And when I look at this text, I have to say, God is at work no matter how frustrated you or I may be. Whether it's your person in office or yours is the next one, it matters not. It's going to be broken and cracked like the Liberty Bell. But you and I don't have to hear the sound of the Liberty Bell to understand true liberty. True liberty and freedom that God gives us right here is knowing through faith in him that he is going to navigate the chaos that we see before us and he has a plan and a purpose for every man, woman, and child and he is going to accomplish that which he is building no matter what. He's going to see it through and there's no form of government on earth. There is no leader, however powerful they may be, that can knock God off of his throne. And today God brought you here for that sound of liberty to ring true in your ears because it's certainly going to ring into eternity 
with those that have put their faith in him. As I said in the beginning, there's really two kinds of people here that, or two purposes that God brought you. The first is, is to give your heart a rest. We submit to the government, it's broken, it's cracked, I get it, but God's at work. And today, that's what the Lord wanted to remind you, no matter what the next news media comes up with, God is at work, regardless of what we read and what we see, and you need to be reminded of that. There's others here that your life is a wreck and you are anxious and fearful in every way. And politics doesn't help one bit, but God is saying, if you put your faith in me and you trust in me, it doesn't matter who is in charge, they still are subject to me and you can have freedom from that knowing that God, what he builds, no one can tear down. What he is creating, no one can sidetrack. And so today what we're going to do in their time together as we respond to this truth, maybe you need to lay down that anxiety before the Lord and say, I am anxious about the government. I'm anxious about whatever the other stuff is in our world, the fear. And I need to lay that down because God is working through it. And I need to remember that. There may be somebody else here that says, I need the Lord. I've heard about this. I've, I have voted. I've done everything that I can, but it seems as though my voice is lost but God is a God who gives a voice to the voiceless. And even though our bell, that liberty bell is cracked and mute, God is not, and he's still working it on his throne. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.